Welcome to the Real Talk Education Podcast, where we dive into the real topics facing real teachers, leaders, and students with your host, Marlena Gross, EEI champion, national ed thought leader, and founder of EduGladiators. Each week, we will discuss the topics that might be keeping you up at night as an educator or parent. This is not an echo chamber podcast. We will unapologetically examine the real challenges in education, plus provide insights and tips to help you navigate all the things, including curriculum, leadership, DEI, student engagement, advocacy, misinformation, and more. Pop in your earbuds or crank up your speaker because it's time to have some real talk about today's topic. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Real Talk Education Podcast. I'm Marlena, your host, and I'm excited to be back this week to drop this quick episode that actually is going to be the groundwork for the next few episodes as we really embrace discomfort and talk about how we can get comfortable being uncomfortable, particularly when we talk about work environment, our school environment, the the environment that our families actually experience in our schools and our districts over the next couple of weeks. But today, we're going to start with the fundamental piece of the conversation, which is embracing discomfort. The topic of race and racial discrimination continues to remain a pressing issue in modern society, particularly in the workplace. As discussions surrounding racism and microaggressions become more prevalent, not only in our schools and in our districts and corporate America, but even in our political realm, if you've been watching anything on TV, I'm sure you've probably seen the two uh, congressmen, or I should say the two uh, legislative councilmen in Tennessee being expelled for peaceful protesting, it's everywhere. And so it's crucial for us to start this conversation in school, in our districts, because that's the purpose of school is to learn, right? When you know better, you do better. It's also crucial for white people particularly those who are our allies or who act as allies or identify as allies to not only participate in these conversations, but also to be comfortable with the inevitable discomfort that comes with crucial conversations around race and how non-white people experience the world. And when I say the world, I'm going to focus the conversation on the next couple of weeks really on the world as it pertains to the United States, because that's where I am and that's where most of you listening are. So it's time to have some real talk about embracing discomfort and empowering our white allies, if you're a person of color, in the fight against racism in our schools and districts. And I hope that this particular episode is just that if you are a white ally or you identify as a white ally, to be empowered with actionable steps that you can take to fight racism and discrimination in our schools and districts. So in today's episode, we will explore the importance of our allies embracing this discomfort 
especially when discussing microaggressions, which is AKA discrimination, racism, and discrimination against black people in the workplace. We'll also talk about resources and tips for allies to build their understanding of the black experience and how to take concrete actions to create a truly inclusive work environment. So I want to invite you to join in, lean in close as we navigate these critical conversations over the next few weeks starting today and together learn how we can break down barriers and champion change in our schools for both our amazing educators of color and leaders and ultimately our students, particularly our students of color, as well as all of our students. So let's get started. So if you've been listening for any measure of time, I like to always connect a story to the topic that we're talking about. And sometimes those stories are my own personal experiences. Sometimes they're experiences of friends or colleagues or something that is happening in the world that's being reported in the news or what have you. But today's story to help ground our conversation of embracing discomfort is a personal story. It actually happened a couple of weeks ago as my husband and I and friends were in Buffalo Wild Wings here where I live in Wyoming. And so there are not a lot of black people here. Actually, I think it's maybe now a thousand black people here in Cheyenne. And that's totally fine. We were enjoying uh, a nice lunch, midday lunch on the weekend, great weather and just really having a good time. We were sitting in the booth and the couple or the family, I should say, that was behind uh, behind my husband and I on our side of the booth. It was a mom and her son and he was four because he told me he was four and he literally was just the cutest thing. You can just tell that he was really probably ahead of his peers, uh, very talkative The words that he used, even for a four-year-old, were pretty impressive. And he was just my new best friend. So as we were eating, uh, as little kids do, he kept trying to get my attention. And after we were winding down our meal, um, he, he tapped me on the shoulder and got my attention. I turned around and he wanted to have a conversation. And a conversation we had. So he goes through and he's touching my hair and he's asking questions. And I was just sharing with him that, you know, this is my hair. And he said that he liked my hair and it was very pretty. He told me his name. He asked my name. And probably the best, well, the second best part of the interaction was that he cupped my face in his hands as he was talking to me. So clearly this little four-year-old was probably really crushing on me right now or was really mesmerized by my skin because he was white. So as we talk, as he's talking to me and introducing himself to me and and asking who everyone was at the table and, and introducing his mother to me, he looks confused for a second and then very pensive. And he says, I'm normal. And then he points to, literally, starting with my husband, points to him and makes his way across our table to our friends who are all white. 
and says, and they are normal too. And then he brings his finger back around to me. And clearly he's trying to see where I fit in in his schema of what normal is. And so without hesitation, I tell him, well, I'm normal too. And he looks confused. And I said, have you never met a black person before? And at this point, the mother is, she doesn't know what to say. She starts fumbling a little bit. My husband is kind of shaking his head like, oh my goodness. Our friends across, uh, sitting across from my husband and I really don't know what to do. They're clearly very, very uncomfortable. So I turned completely around when I asked this question to the little boy. And I said, have you never met a black person before? His mom finally jumps in and says, oh, oh yes, oh yes, he, he's met a black person before. And I look at the little boy and he is looking at me as to say, mm, no, or at least not this close up, right? Like you can see it running in his mind. And so I go on and take this moment because it is a teachable moment to say, I'm normal too. I said, my skin is different, but I'm normal He had already been kind of holding or caressing my hand and it confirmed to me that he's really like trying to see like, gosh, does her skin feel different than mine? And so I tell him, see, I have five fingers on my hand just like you do. And I point out some other things and he ends up saying, I love your hair. It's pretty. And he says, you're pretty. And I said, thank you. I said, and you're handsome. And his mom is ready to bolt. She's ready to get out of there. We finished up our meal by that time, taking care of our ticket and about to leave. And I share with him, well, I have to go. And I, and I asked, I said, may I have a hug? And he gives me just the best hug, just literally squeezes my entire neck and face. And I just thank him for so much love and the conversation. And we leave. Well, when my husband and I get into the car, Clearly, that was like the elephant in the room. And he's like, wow, that little boy was something else. And I told him in our conversation, yes, he is. He's something. I said, but what was interesting is when he said, I'm normal and they're normal, pointing to to, uh, my husband and the friends, people in the restaurant near us stopped talking because he said it very loudly, as most four-year-olds do. And... My husband says, gosh, it was just really uncomfortable. Like our friends were kind of uncomfortable and it was just like an uncomfortable thing. And I shared with my husband, you're uncomfortable. I said, have you ever thought about how I might feel being literally at that moment, the only black person that I could tell in the entire restaurant and then being called not normal or it being implied in front of people I don't even know, but a, a pretty full restaurant. And he shook his head and he's like, gosh, I just didn't think about it that way. You're exactly right. And I said, one of the things that I appreciated about the little boy was that his unfiltered honesty and his willingness to be uncomfortable as he learned what normal was and expanded his view in my conversation with him, what normal is and what it isn't. And that I was just as normal as him and his mom and all the white people at the table, including my husband. And so when we got home later that evening, I actually wrote this particular uh, 
podcast outline that night because I didn't want to forget. I didn't want to forget not only the feeling that I felt in the conversation that my husband and I had, but just the importance of discomfort. Because when we are addressing racism and microaggressions, it requires an openness, particularly of white people, because white people are the majority culture in the States and especially where I live, to have uncomfortable conversations, uncomfortable really on both ends, but uncomfortable conversations. Our allies, our white allies, must understand that these conversations are not meant to elicit guilt. That little boy had no guilt or shame in his questions. And our allies shouldn't either, really, but they're necessary for fostering understanding and empathy. It's so important that we engage in these discussions to help white people, to help our allies recognize their own biases, their privileges, and their complicity in perpetuating racial inequality. So for instance, in that moment where my husband was talking about how uncomfortable he and his white friends felt, it took that conversation with us for me to point out double standard, right? The complicity in that. And the moment really wasn't about him and his friend's discomfort and how quickly he centered his whiteness and his friend's whiteness over my discomfort of being the only black person in the restaurant and then and being called out that way in that way by a four-year-old at that right so it's through this recognition that we can have real change occur when we start embracing discomfort when we start being comfortable with being uncomfortable that we can actively work to dismantle systemic racism and promote equality in our schools in our communities and in our workplace, whether you're in a school or not. So if you are a a white ally, if you identify as a white ally, lean in because you definitely want to hear these tips for not only understanding the black experience, but also how to build your knowledge of the black experience and what actions you can take to create an inclusive work environment, whether it's in a school or not. So resources for understanding the Black experience. If you click the link in the podcast uh, notes, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you will see a link to uh, the full blog post around this topic. And it will list for you books, podcasts, and even some online courses in our workshops, including one that I've mentioned often, which is talking about race by the National Museum of African American History and Culture. But three three uh, types of resources to help you understand the Black experience. If you're an ally, if you want to be an ally, if you're not sure if you're an ally, but you have questions, I would encourage you to click the link in the podcast, go directly to the resources for understanding the black experience and do the work. You might have heard that term before. Don't ask the maybe one black friend that you have or a co-worker that you have about under how, what is the black experience if you have not done the work 
to really understand and learn about the history that you were never taught. And that is intentional. That is our school system. So do that first, allies. Do that first. Now, once you've started to do the work and looked at these resources to understand the Black experience, here's how you can build, continue to build your knowledge um, on that experience. Educate yourself. So that's the first part of with those resources. Educate yourself. Make a conscious effort to read the books. And you can start with the ones that I have listed. If there are a few others that maybe you've heard of and you want to dive into them, dive into them. Um, listen to podcasts. Go through the different workshops or webinars that uh, focus on the history and experiences of Black people. Don't rely on your black colleagues to educate you on these topics, because when you do that, you actually are placing an undue burden on them. Take the initiative to learn and grow. Now, that's one thing that while I was happy to have that conversation, of course, with my husband to help him process the whole situation with the four year old. He's also heard me say many times And even I will end the conversation to say, you know what, I just really need you to do the work. Like, here's something you can read, you know, or whatever the case might be. But I just need you to do the work first before we have the conversation, because there's nothing more frustrating, to be quite honest, than a black person trying to defend or try to explain to a white person the actual infractions or racism, discrimination that they're experiencing from white people in general, or maybe even from that particular white person that might be asking the question, because that's where we get into the fragility that Robin D'Angelo talks about in her book, White Fragility. And she also goes into it in Nice White Racism in her latest book. So educate yourself first, allies. The second thing you can do to build your knowledge of the Black experience is once you've begun to educate yourself, engage in conversations with black colleagues or friends. Now, I will tell you, I've said this uh, before as well, that according to Pew Research, that the majority of white people, 75% or so, do not have a black friend, much less a colleague that they can have that conversation with. If you do, be sure to ask permission first and don't be offended if that black person says, no, I'm, I'm, that's not something I want to do. I would encourage you to try to do that outside of the work environment because there's so many dynamics in place uh, in play there in the work environment to have this type of conversation. So I would encourage you to um, maybe do this, have this conversation or ask to have this conversation outside of the work day, outside of the school day. But if they say yes, then go into that conversation listening actively and asking questions and clarification when needed. But the purpose of that conversation is not to debate or defend your own viewpoints. So if you start feeling uncomfortable, your initial reaction as a white ally will be to defend your stance or defend how you're not like that, even if they're not talking about maybe something or a situation that you have done personally to them. But do not defend or debate your viewpoints because you will never understand what a black person goes through or a person of color goes through in this country because you're not that person. You're not a person of color. You're not, you have not had laws written to 
and some are still on the books written in our practices to keep you as a second class human or citizen in the United States. You've never experienced that because that has never been done against white people, only black people and then eventually other people of color, including our indigenous people. So if you have that conversation, remember, if you feel yourself wanting to debate or wanting to defend yourself, bite your tongue, uh, have a stress ball if you feel that you need it, whatever it takes, but do not debate or defend because if you feel like you have to do that, then you haven't done enough of the first tip, which is to educate yourself and do the work and go through those resources. And then the last tip to build your knowledge of the black experience is to actually reflect on your privilege. Consider how your race and background have afforded you certain privileges and advantages throughout your life. And just to clarify, privileges uh, are white privilege does not mean that as a white person, you've had a silver spoon in your mouth. But what it does mean is what I referenced before. You don't have the same barriers as a black person in particular um, aren't a person of color in going about your day and moving through life, particularly in the United States, because that's our that's where we're focusing on. You don't have those same challenges. I'll include in the blog post as well a graphic that I'll talk more about in the coming episodes. But it's a great graphic by um, the it's an ad- adaptation, I should say by the Safe House Progressive Alliance uh, for Nonviolence. It talks about the problem women of color in the workplace face when they enter an organization. So that is an upcoming episode, but I'll go ahead and put that in the blog post, make sure that it's there. So you can take a look at really understanding what privilege is. Um, This is something I experienced this entire diagram, like almost to the penny that is written Uh, And I'll talk more about that. But this is a great way to really look at, have you had to go through these things because of your color? Because of your color, okay? So really reflect on your privilege and recognize the ways in which your privilege may have contributed, even if it's unintentional, to the marginalization of black people in your personal and professional spaces, That's where you get into the different biases and unconscious bias. It may be unconscious, but it's still a bias, right? So reflect on that. And it's a vital step if you want to dismantle what unconscious biases you may have and to help foster empathy. Now, after you've done all those things to help understand the black experience, right? To help start getting comfortable being uncomfortable, I want to leave you with just three actions that as white allies, you can take to create, help create that inclusive work uh, environment. The first thing that you can do is challenge microaggressions. Microaggressions is just a nice word that describes discrimination. Microaggressions are the very definition are subtle, often unintentional, but acts of discrimination that can have a significant impact on how your black colleagues, co-teachers, 
your, your principal, your assistant principal, whatever the case might be from a school perspective, but how your black colleagues uh, experience the workplace, experience uh, their day to day. If you witness or overhear a microaggression in the workplace, and again, that is discrimination, use that privilege and address it directly and respectfully to whomever is giving that um, is is giving out that microaggression or discrimination. When you do this, this sends a very clear message that discriminatory behavior amongst other white people is not tolerated and it actually helps create a safer environment for black employees. I'm pretty outspoken. I have no problem standing up for myself, but the number of black number of microaggressions that I as a black woman have had to experience even in my most recent uh, school district is is exhausting. And once I had to help educate some of my colleagues and they started seeing it, they actually blocked for me, if you will. Like they actually called it out. They spoke out against it directly and respectfully. And it did mean a lot. It did. It did mean a lot that, hey, I felt seen. I felt heard. And I wasn't the only one that saw this. They as a white as a white person saw it and they spoke out about it. So challenge those microaggressions, which is really just short for discrimination. The second thing you can do as a white ally is to advocate for diversity and inclusion. And again, we're going to talk more about these areas over the next few weeks. So again, embrace your discomfort. If you're a white person, get comfortable being uncomfortable because you need to advocate for diversity and inclusion. Actively participate in any of your school, district, or company initiatives aimed at promoting diversity and inclusion. Offer suggestions for improvement, volunteer for committees or task forces, and encourage your employer to invest in diversity training and education. Lastly, in your advocacy for diversity and inclusion, Think about the interview process from start to finish, how you're recruiting diverse candidates. So you increase your pool of diverse candidates from the beginning to how does that person move through the the interview process, period? What questions are being asked? What unconscious biases or affinity biases are coming coming through in the interview process that you might have in your school or district, or if you're listening and you work in corporate and corporate, right? Like what are those biases that are coming through that actually are preventing you from having a diverse colleague or having more diverse colleagues? So don't forget the hiring piece. And we're going to, again, talk about that in the coming weeks. And lastly, As an ally, if you want to help create an inclusive work environment, amplify Black voices and talent. Make a conscious effort to support and uplift the work of your Black colleagues. Share their ideas and accomplishments in team meetings aloud. Recommend them for projects or promotions because there's always meetings after the meeting, right? And as a Black person uh, and a Black leader for over 20 years now, total in education, I understand and have been a part and have had to advocate for others to be part of the conversation, uh, pull up a seat at the table. But 
make sure you're recommending them for projects or promotions if that applies to their zone of genius. Acknowledge their contributions publicly. Because when you're amplifying Black voices and talent, you actually are helping to break down barriers and promote a more equitable workplace where everyone's skills and perspectives are valued. Here's the thing. If you want to have more diversity in your school, district, and or organization, research is very clear that it's, there is a number there is a, a number, a quota that needs that should be met if that is your goal, and it starts with your leaders. So if you want to have diversity, you have to have diverse leaders, and that is true of any marginalized or underrepresented group, not just Black people, but any group. As if if a person belongs to a marginalized group, they will be looking for leaders that look like them. A hundred percent, even if it's only one, but it can't just be always just one, because then that person that is serving in your organization um, and that identifies in that marginalized uh, group now becomes a token and no one wants to be a token. So make sure you're amplifying black voices and talent. Make sure you're an advocate for diversity and inclusion and that you openly and actively and unapologetically challenge microaggressions until you start embracing discomfort until you start becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable then you will always as a white person you will always almost always have fragility and engage in as Robin D'Angelo calls it nice white racism or check checkbox diversity, equity, and inclusion in your spaces, both personally and professionally. So if you enjoyed today's episode, take a screenshot of this episode and tag us on social media. And also be sure to just subscribe to the Real Talk Education podcast and never miss an episode because I'll be coming back for the next few weeks. Focus intently on embracing discomfort in various ways. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I look forward to connecting again next week.